Nothing but the best. The official drive with Lloyd Paul. Now, Ruchi Prabhu at Indian Auto Road. Pets understand humans better than humans do. Time now to talk about this with a dog trainer and animal behaviorist, Andy Ording from Pause in Time. Good afternoon, Andy. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Great. Thank you for joining us this afternoon on the official drive. Now, Andy, when you talk of family, right, pet owners consider their pets part of the family. And they take them for walks. I mean, they give them treats. Um, Birthdays are celebrated as well. They even get cake. How significant is the role of pets within families today? Oh, what a brilliant question. So, the role that personally I believe that pets play in a family environment is that a lot of pets do form part of the family structure so just as pets as well as children we they actually share the seven core emotional states that humans do this is incredible studies that have been going out about pets and how they feel and and be part of our families and they actually share quite similar uh, feelings to what children do towards their parents you know with their attachment to their parents as well and this is why we, on a regular basis, see more and more separation disorders with them. So including them in every part of our life, as well as the wedding proposals and the pregnancy announcements, which I think is really fantastic. In the greater, bigger scheme of things, so in particular, have increased a lot of family leisure time that they share with them. And we've noticed over time and time that we're taking them more on holidays, and taking families out on events, going into the beach, um, you know, and spending more time as a unit, which I think is extremely important, going outside and sharing outside activities with the family rather than with all this technology going on at the moment, sitting indoors and just watching TV. So I believe that pets have added something really significant to a family unit structure. Now, Andy, pets and children, right, they have a very special bond. What can you tell us about that relationship and how it actually develops? Okay, so it's a very important topic, this. So I'm going to try and keep it as brief as and to the point as possible. When it comes to children and their family pets, particularly a lot of parents believe that it is very important for the children to grow up with a family pet. And I cannot agree with him more. However... This comes with a great responsibility from the parents themselves. So if we respect the dog, because the dog or the cat, to be quite honest, have all got those the feelings of feeling insecure and, you know, they don't like to be smothered, they enjoy their space, they enjoy and they possibly need to feel safe. So building a great relationship through educating the parents and appropriate interaction with their pets is what is actually at stake at this moment. Uh, parents definitely do need to understand a lot of dog communication and you know, intervening when they need to be intervened. So because dogs are such great social animals, they're often forced into interactions that they can't and they, they can't deal with and they're not comfortable with. So this is where we actually depend on our parents to educate them. Um, I hope that makes a lot of sense. So for me, for a great develop, for a great relationship to be developed between the, the children and the dogs, are for companionship. And what these dogs do, if you have such a great relationship with the dogs, you know they 
bring in such great social skills for the child or or the teenager for that matter or they assist the child or the teenager that has suffered from any kind of trauma as well as anxiety and also for those that are on the spectrum so building a really healthy relationship with your kids and your pet is of extreme importance again going back to also that family unit i hope that helps <laughs> it does indeed andy now yeah. having a pet it's quite a big responsibility, Andy. And, and what would you say are the main things that uh, would-be pet owners need to be wary of uh, to truly now give an animal a really good home? Okay, so it's a, this is a very interesting topic as well. So over the last few years, there has been a lot of research going into the hierarchy of a dog's needs. And there has been a psychologist in America that has taken the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and they've adapted it to the canine in particular. So, as you know, at that Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a pyramid. So, right at the bottom of the pyramid is to ensure that your dog's biological needs are met. So, those are your normal things like your food, your water, shelter, temperature control. And as we start going up into the pyramid, you get dog's emotional needs, which do need to be met. So, this is the dog's trust security and consistency in the family unit. Then going above that, you've got your social needs, which is your bonding and your play, whether the dog is able to play with the uh, members of the family or other dogs of the family. That is extremely important for them. And right at the top of the pyramid, we've got our cognitive needs, which I cannot explain strongly enough how important this is, because on top of those cognitive needs, your dogs need to be able to practice their innate behaviors. So digging is a big thing. Sniffing, exploring the environment when you take them out for walks. So it's not just about a lovely heel work, loose lead walk that they need to do. You want them to go and sniff and really absorb everything that's going on, as well as chasing mental stimulation, a lot of enrichment is quite new um, over the last 10 to 15 years for our dogs. And um, the mental stimulation that comes with that, that brings about a really balanced dog. So all of those needs really do need to be met. And when we say we're going out to get a dog and this is what we're looking for, those, those are the type of things that need to be taken into consideration and the pet parent saying, right, are we able to? you know, provide for the dogs rather than just your biological needs that goes way, way more than food, water and shelter. Now, Andy, there's a perception, right, that some breed of dogs are more dangerous or more likely, let's say, to attack than others. Is there any truth in that? Okay, so this is a very difficult question to answer as there are many factors that come into play when we're dealing with a dog that has either attacked another dog, a cat, or alternatively, in many cases, a human. So the first thing that we do need to take into consideration is the breed disposition. Okay? So there's a genetic component in an animal, and every dog is bred to do a job. Okay? But on top of that, we've got your environmental stresses and early experiences with the dog during the critical period. Are we taking the dog for training or have we done that before? And these 
are the things that need to be taken into consideration when dealing with any dog. So it's a very broad question and it's not fair to pinpoint any breed that does anything in particular like that dog will attack over that dog, if that makes sense, because every dog is capable of a bite or an attack, but there's a lot of information behind it that that drives into why the dog has done such. So, obviously, I will not put any breed under blame or shame here, but that's how we assess, and yeah, that's how we go about that, if that makes any sense. It does, Andy. Now, you know what? Here's a question that most people would like to know. Um, If someone wants to train their dog or a puppy, right, when is the best time to start? And what advice would you have for them? Okay. So this is a question that I get dealt with every day. And for me, it's very important. So we've got to look at um, from a disease perspective. All the, vacuum, all the inoculations need to be up to date. And according to the vets, that is up to the age of 16 weeks is when they have their last vaccination. Now, the critical socialization period for your dog is anywhere from between four weeks of age when they're still with their mother going right up to 14 weeks. So that doesn't give us a lot of time to pleasantly associate us, our dogs with anything and particularly our puppies, but it is extremely important that we've got to weigh up a lot of the the costs, I suppose, in this case, because we work on vaccinations and illness versus behavioural health stability for the dog going into adulthood. And so for me, I have to say that we definitely need to get your dogs appropriately associated and socialize and that's not just with playing with other dogs that has got to do primarily with people and strangers of all walks of life whether they've got hats and caps and umbrellas and all of that as they walk so the elderly babies in particular and young children it's such a wide variety of things that we need to get in to socialize our puppies adequately and we don't have much time but if you do have a puppy my advice is 10 days after their second set of vaccinations find yourself a positive reinforcement puppy school that encourages everybody to go this route and socialize adequately without putting the puppy under any pressure and allowing the puppy to do things in their own pace it is really simple well i use the word simple much later to teach your dog how to sit, go down, stay. Those are all behaviors that are not necessarily natural to the dog in, in a sense where we can actually put, we, we can teach them how to do that. Behavior modification when you have an anxious and uncomfortable dog because they've, they've seen children before makes things a lot, a lot more difficult for us. So we encourage adequate socialization within that period of time. Well, we've learned a lot this afternoon from you in this few minutes, Andy. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and, of course, uh, all the best to you. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great stuff. God bless. That's Andy Ording from uh, Pause in Time. Lotus FM. Yeah. Yeah. Share the experience. Share.